0: I'm Mike Geisler, and this is How You Sell Without Selling Out. Rogers That.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. And simply put, today we have one of the handful of people that changed the entire trajectory of my life. I would put him on the same uh, level as my dad, uh, as my mentor, Jerry McNabb, and a handful of other people. Uh, we had a very brief stint of working in the same office. I worked for him uh, about man, 16, 17 years ago, and I was in a really interesting phase of my life trying to discover what I was supposed to be doing. And I'm a big believer that you find what you want to do by finding out what you don't want to do first. And working for Mike Geisler um, for literally only like two or three months, it gave me a different uh, purpose. I think that a lot of people, as they approach turning 25, go from having a job and bouncing around to really trying to find their career. And uh, I had a background in real estate and didn't think that residential real estate was what I wanted to do for my entire life. So I did what everyone told me to do. I got into commercial real estate and um, I loved it. I loved working for Mike, but I had a different calling. Uh, I didn't know what it was and it eventually led me to being um, my uh, my own boss and an entrepreneur. But What I learned from Mike, um, it was simple, which I think is sometimes the most complex uh, things to learn. And Mike uh, is a servant leader, and his objective every single day, whether he tells you or not, is to lead people better than he found them. And in a very competitive environment, in a very uh, successful office environment, Mike made me feel like an equal, and I feel like that's what a true leader does. And speaking of a true leader, Mike is also the recipient of the 2022 Stemmons Award, which is given out to really just the best leader in commercial real estate. And I can guarantee it's not just because Mike is the founder of Venture Commercial, as well as multiple other uh, vehicles of revenue. Mike is just a great man. Uh, and so today, I've asked Mike to come on the podcast to share his story, talk about his love for Dallas, his love for his family, his love for making people better, but really his love for legacy. Uh, So Mike, after 35 years in commercial real estate, um, we finally get to talk about everything that you've done. So welcome today to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. How was the intro? Perfect. Was it really beautiful? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Also, Mike is also an SMU alum, and he's a music guy, which we didn't know until a few years ago. And Mike right. and I have had multiple conversations on that. But anyway, back to Mike Geisler. Um, get us inside the headspace of just the most respected man in business. Where what got you to where you are today?
0: Man, I don't know where to begin. Um, you know, it's been it's just a journey, right? There are just these moments in life, and. You know, mine started at at SMU. You know, after my junior year, my counselor said I needed something to put on my resume because I'd been painting houses in the summer. And uh, one of the guys' houses I painted got me an interview with the Henry S. Miller Company, Hmm. and I ended up getting a summer internship there. And they offered me a job. I still had a year at Cosgrove. They offered me a job when I graduated, and I parlayed that into working part time in the fall and full-time in the spring as I
1: finished up school. Well, weren't you also in the band in school and you were in the, I mean, did you have the aspirations to getting into the world of sales or even commercial real estate? You know, I think I, I, I didn't know what commercial real estate was, but one of my
0: best friends st- was studying architecture and, and, um, he and I used to drive around and we'd say, what goes there? And so, you know, we'd figure out, you know, what goes there. And at the time we were, doing this, one, one, of the, one of the intersections was uh, the toll road and LBJ. It was Cottonfields, the southeast corner, which is now Lincoln Center. We thought mm. it'd be a good racquetball club, mm. which there was one there, but there's also a couple million square feet of office and a hotel.
1: And for all y'all wondering, racquetball was the pickleball <laughs> of the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, and much like pickleball, quickly died off. But back to Mike. Yes.
0: Uh, so you know but I think i like i love buildings i love the way um, environments can make you feel you know whether those are shopping environments which is mainly what I work in but even I think more important what we're realizing now is office space it's more important that that be inspiring and and uh, and connect more with its it's it with the employees that work there so um, I love environments and and I didn't know that i I didn't know exactly what real estate was, but this internship put it all together.
1: And back then, too, I mean, again, the the company you interned for was what? Henry S. Miller Company. Which that kind of, you know, people realize the importance of the Henry S. Miller family, especially in Dallas. But would you say they kind of laid the groundwork for... A multitude of real estate companies and and pioneers? Oh, absolutely. At the time that I was there, they were the largest commercial brokerage company in the state.
0: Wow. Bigger than CB, bigger than Cushman. And in fact, most of these bigger companies had a hard time getting a footing because Miller was so dominant and they were dominant because, you know, the Miller family stepped into those leadership roles as well, you know, and, um, I, gosh, I can tell you some amazing things. I I remember being told about the first time Trammel Crow took a re, his first real significant vacation to Europe. Is that he came over to Henry and said, "Hey, I'm I'm, you know, leaving leaving the country, and you have power of attorney to do anything on these properties while I'm gone." That was their friendship and their relationship.
1: Wow. Uh, do you give me power of attorney if you need to take a trip? Can I, I- could do that. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. That'll, that'll be episode uh, 1.2. So, so you get into commercial real estate and you start to realize that, you know, for me in the world of sales, real estate, commercial, residential, any, there's like your typical salesperson, right? Which I don't think you and I really uh, fit into that box. But, you know, you've always been just Mike. Was that a hard adjustment going from relative innocence and being in the band and doing things that are in the world of arts? And Mm -hmm. you might look at a field and see something different than just an office building and just money. What was that adjustment like from a, a headspace perspective at a, I mean, really, really early age going from painting houses to working for the largest commercial real estate company in the entire state?
0: Sure. Well, and again, my family, my parents, you know, brought us up. My you know, to be very conscious about doing volunteer work and, um, you know, and I, I had another conversation in my head, which was, you know, I'm going the capitalist route and, you know, my, my parents were much about giving back. So I, I wanted to figure out how I can be, how I can give back in, in the commercial real estate world. And at the time in the mid eighties, you know, it was kind of a spiritual desert and I thought maybe I can have an effect on this place.
1: What was your first move? To to actually try
0: to impact, I don't know that I remember that. I just it was it took a long time. I did not go through a training program, so you know I stumbled for a few years until I could really learn enough about the business to be competent in it. And that on top of the economy of the state of Texas crashing more severely than it's ever ever has in the '80s, we lost almost all of our banks. Um, You know, oil crashed, real estate crashed. Um, you know, it took us six to eight years to recover from that. Hmm. I would say that one of the reasons that Texas has done so well in the last twenty years is that we haven't forgotten those lessons. Hmm. You know, and in two thousand and nine and ten, when you saw other areas like Atlanta and Phoenix get overbuilt. Dallas
1: wasn't ever built because we screwed that up in the '80s, mm. and we remember that pain. History did not repeat itself. It did not. So, so with real estate, and especially in commercial, and y'all that are not super familiar with kind of the different sectors, it's one license to do anything. Uh, a lot of people uh, decide early on to be a specialist. Which, Mike, uh, you're a pioneer in the world of retail and mm-hmm. you know forecasting and, and trends and all that kind of stuff. But when you first got into it, was retail the direction you were you were in? No, actually, I started off uh, working
0: in land. Really? But land sales stopped, and I needed to find something, and they directed me towards retail leasing.
1: Which, wouldn't that have been just as hard in the 80s? Like, thinking about people that, you know, if you don't have extra spending money, why would somebody go and open up a a retail store? You know, uh, there was always leasing activity. Huh. Always. Um,
0: There were more obstacles. It was harder for them to get financed. Um, but there were always dreamers. There's this guy that started a company that was kind of a knockoff on Container Store. You know, he ended up doing a few half a dozen stores in DFW during Still that around? time. Still um, around?
1: No, it's not. Oh, container Store, I think they're based here in DFW, right? They are, yes. So, so you did that, and, you, and did you just fall in love with the process and fall in love with the fact that you're, you know, obviously you're brokering deals, you're getting paid to do it, but... Really, I think in the world of commercial, what I liked most and still do about retail is that it's an experience Mm -hmm. and it's fun versus like here's where you're going to work. Here's where you're going to store your stuff. Here's where you're going to go and have people potentially live in an apartment complex. Yours is the interaction factor, which really is your personality. And so did you kind of catch fire with that early on? Yes. I think the two things that drove me were, one, creating environments uh, that people enjoy. Explain that. So when you say creating
0: environments, what do you mean by that? You know, whether that's building a new shopping center in a neighborhood or just a small center, but providing services and needs that people want. You know, when Starbucks was first created, it was so important for a community to get their own Starbucks, hmm. you know? And and early on in that process, uh, property values increased in the neighborhood around a Starbucks because it validated the neighborhood is cool. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, when,
1: when was Starbucks? Was it the mid 80s? No, I... Think it was probably the early 2000s. Really, before Starbucks became like everyone wanted one in their neighborhood. Now their Starbucks closing down because they're across the street from each other. Right. So, so but creating an environment. Did you feel like you were orchestrating and? kind of in a fun way, playing God and going and, you know, I remember when I worked for you, the, the craze was, uh, that was coming up, it was taco shops and yogurt stores. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so cool to go and take a dive into Wahoo fish tacos. I'll never forget this, which I don't think they came here, but I knew what it was because of the beach towns. And you're like, this is going to be such a big thing. I was like, really taco shops where in my mind, the last big craze was like bagel shops, which came crashing down because of, uh, you know, the car, the no carb diet. But did you see this in your head? And you were able to go and handpick neighborhoods where you were kind of the the Pied Piper, whether it was a Starbucks, a yogurt store, a taco shop, or you know, a container store. Yeah,
0: um, gosh, one of the counts I worked on for a long time was TCBY. I think I did 35 deals
1: with them. Oh my God, white chocolate you know. mousse shiver with Oreos. There's still one over on the corner of there Abrams only and Mockingbird. Yeah, really? Yeah. The country's best yogurt is down to one store, at least in DFW. So, what? So, how how, how quickly did you do 35 TCBYs? Probably over um, five years or so. What happened? Why did Why did TCBY lose its its luster? Um,
0: you know what, they started because Dallas was a corporate owned market and they did very well. And then they ended up selling units to, to franchisees. And I think that's kind of what undid everything.
1: Huh? Wow. So you did 35 wise, Are you still at Henry S. Miller? Um... I think I started at Henry, Henry S. Miller and then
0: when I moved to the Weitzman Group in 1990 I still was doing deals with
1: them and so you you start to build a name for yourself as the retail guy And then people are starting to pursue you to represent them And then like what, what was the first big idea you had that led to potentially a development or led to representing? You know a family that maybe owned part of a city. Well, I'll, I'll tell you that um we were saying one side
0: is creating environments. The other is being a part of people's lives and, and retail lets you experience that more than I think the office world, you know, it's some of my favorite deals weren't big deals. They were deals where, you know, you're helping a, a guy open up his first tailor shop and, you know, that shop puts his kids through college and there, to, to the merit to, to get close to the folks that are living the American dream you know, um, there was a cleaners where, you know, his daughters all went to Ivy League schools. I just I think that's kind of neat to be a part of it and uh, to, you know, see how hard the whole family works in a business.
1: How can you uh, I want to ask you to share some wisdom? Uh, I'm a deal guy as well, and I can share your sentiment. But someone who might be younger than us or maybe they're chasing the wrong things, knowing that. You know, the reality of doing a deal for a tailor is you might not make the money that you would make for a restaurant or for an anchor tenant. How do you enter that sincerely knowing that you've got to give them the same service where the upside might be a different kind of grade? But what, what's the headspace that you have to get in doing that?
0: Well, I think you you need to I feel like you need to acknowledge that it's a privilege to be able to serve others. Right. And so it doesn't make, you know, it's, it's really easy to get excited about a sexy deal or a big deal, but it's also a privilege that, and sometimes you make more of a difference in people's lives with those smaller deals than the big ones. And those smaller deals tend to mean a lot more to the landlord because those are the spaces that usually kind of, that's really the, those small remaining spaces they have. That's
1: really kind of what improves their return. Because they'll never be late on their rent because they're so prideful about being on time and, and hitting their numbers. Yeah. Um, so talk talk to me about Dallas. You know, I think that we have talked about this before we got started, where we both are huge proponents of our city. And whether you live in Dallas or not, it's just a really fun, it's a fun case study for real estate and what you've been able to see happen, whether you talked about the corner of LBJ and what was it? LBJ and what? In the toll road. That was raw land. When I was in college, the tollway extended, I think, just past Addison. Right. Right now, you know, we could go all four ways, potentially to Oklahoma, to waco etc but what do you what have you seen happen over the course of your multi-decade career in dallas and, re, and retail etc and then follow-up question where do you see it going sure well when i started at henry s miller we office downtown
0: in Bryan tower and there were two buildings north of Woodall rogers so in uptown had two tall office buildings the crescent and uh gosh another building i'm blanking on but today you go over and now you are are Skyline is three times as wide as it was when I started. That, Mm. and every time I come back from Fort Worth and I hit I thirty and you see our skyline, it, it's still, I mean, it's it still hits nerves for me. It's special, and to see how much Dallas has grown and the quality of development that Dallas has is really exciting. Where do you see it going? You know, as uh, I just, it's I think it's going. It's going in all directions. You know, the core is densifying. The suburbs are continuing to populate, so it's going it's growing
1: in all directions. How would you de- how would you describe a typical Dallas person? Like it is I, I've always said that Dallas to me they do, it doesn't have an identity, mm-hmm. and I think people take take that the wrong way. I'm like no, it's it's kind of like America's and and don't quote me on this, but it's like America's London, where it's not like a typical. It's like oh they're from Dallas, but yeah. I feel like that's changed so much even since COVID that we have diversity now. We have culture. There's not a ton to do, and maybe you can change my mind on that, but how, how would you describe a typical Dallas person?
0: Well, I think one of the most unique factors about Dallas is if if you have a vision and you want to work hard and you want to be successful, this city supports you. There are a lot of other more established cities where you know you have to be a third generation Bostonian to really make, make, break through the top level. In Dallas, if you're driven and, and you know and you work hard, you can be successful here. And Dallas has always welcomed people in, hmm. and and I you know that's part of our magic
1: sauce, I guess. Unless you're in real estate, sometimes it takes a little bit longer. I'm just kidding.
0: Well, I, it it's not easy. Yeah. I mean, real estate's not any easier than any other business, but it's it's just like anything. You have to really you have to be passionate about it. You've you know and you got to stick with it and you got to work hard.
1: Yeah. So, okay, I want to go back to being inviting, and and part of the thing that I think you can share with us as well, if not better than anybody. Is your real, you know, your obsession with legacy, with whether it's with actual real estate, with business, but most importantly, with me. I mean, I worked for you for literally three months, and it wasn't like I went to go work at a competitor. I just didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and had to go explore it. And he literally he left me with a hug, which is not most people, because I kind of wasted his time, and it just proves that you know um, he treated me well, and I'm, I'm loyal to him to this day. But how about that party it's like you all of a sudden you look up like me it's like holy crap i'm in my mid-40s and i think like a 10 year old still and i have the energy of a 15 year old but there's another generation behind me that maybe needs me differently than just being their boss Mm -hmm. and and you really epitomize that where you can go and edify the next generation. What is that like? How do you go and get motivated knowing that it's a grind, right? People are going to take advantage of you. They're going to screw you over, but the core group is going to treat you right. And I feel like you've done that as well as anybody.
0: Well, you know, I think part of it is, um, you know, choosing to search for things that have meaning in your life and, you know, being able to help others is, is a, a good feeling. And it takes nothing to make a meeting with a young person that's trying to figure out what their next step in life is. And, you know, um, that process with, if you're graduating from college, you're not sure with what you want to do. And it's so frustrating and it's full of doubt. And it's, you know, you just, I feel like there aren't enough guys along the way that, uh, that remember that, that, try to give you the encouragement you need to stick with it, you know, and, and man, I meet so many wonderful guys. I can't hire most of them, you know, because I don't have that. I just, I have to, part of our success is our leaders in the company are responsible for the success of our, our younger folks. And so, you know, a senior guy has got to be hundred percent committed to that junior guy. And sometimes we find a lot more great candidates than we have manpower to teach them. Hmm. But, um, you know, I just think those are ways that mean a lot to that, to, to those kids that are trying to figure it out. And they appreciate the fact that it's a process and that you kind of got to remind them, they just want to, you know, they just want to find that home and get started in their life. But you also got to remember that if you, if you just try to get a job, you're going to wake up miserable one day. You've got to have the courage to figure out what you want to do and to something, find that thing
1: you love. And it's, it's just a process. Hmm. Define a great leader. How would you go and, and tell someone what a great leader is? You know, listen, I, I, I think a great leader is someone
0: that puts others first. Um, you know, I think a great leader is somebody that lives by being an example. You know, John Zico in my life is that great leader. He's, uh, he is a great example. He, is absolutely passionate about whatever he does. And, um, and his passion is infectious. He has a heart that's so big in terms of all the things that he's, that he cares about that he commits himself to. Um, you know, he leads a Bible study. He leaves, leads a prayer group once a month with the Dallas real estate ministries in our office. I mean, um, but you know, he knows he's figured out what's important to him and he lives in that. And that's our job. Each of our jobs is to figure out what's important to you. And some of that, you know, you uncover in a few years, you know, you, you know, for me, when I started the business, I was just excited about the business. You know, everything's new and shiny at that age. And then you start to looking for what's really meaningful. You know, for me very quickly, it was, you know, the money is not a big enough, a motivator to me. I have to be making a difference for people. And so
1: Did that come with time or was that always? It
0: came with time. I mean, I was part of the generation of the Wall Street generation with, you know, where greed is good.
1: (laughs) So I was definitely uh, mesmerized with that. Yeah. But it wears off really quick. But don't you think, too, and I feel like I, and I I, I don't, I would never put you in that category, even if I didn't know you in the 80s, but I, I feel like, you know, law of attraction, whatever it is, however you want to describe it, but when I, when our, when our daughter was born, I tell people, I just stopped caring about everything else. Not that I don't, you know, I I cared about the right things differently. And I think through that, everything around me just started to actually grow as it was supposed to. But don't you feel like that's also kind of similar when you're out there just being Mike and you're helping people and you're helping somebody find an 800 square foot retail store at the same time, you're doing an 80,000 square foot lease. Don't you feel like it comes back to you differently and you're serving the Lord, you're serving people, but that to me is why you're a success, but you're also, you're not just a success because you're a great guy. Your company dominates, right? And, but don't you feel like that's a part of the formula that a lot of people just don't get? It, it is. And I think by human
0: nature, we're all distracted by the flashy, shiny objects, especially brokers. And some of that's money and six su- and material success. But, you know, um, you know, I think what, our company is. And, and what we're about is, you know, we're very much about the broker. I'm trying to find a way to help those folks be more successful. How can they serve their clients better? And, um, you know, and also compel them to think
1: deeper, you know? Um, What's your method of doing that? Asking for selfish reasons. I mean, like I'm, I'm so black and white that sometimes I just want to shake people. Yeah. Right. And I, I heard something a while back. My mentor uh, one time told me, do you want to know what time it is? Or do you want to know how to build the clock? And I was like, I want to know what time it is, but I have to lead with that sometimes where people actually say build the clock. I'm like, damn it. But I feel like you have perfected that. What's what's the process for delivering that, you know, to people that maybe don't have the same experience that you do? Well, you know, I think bring everybody in your company
0: through a process of determining what the values of that company should be. How are we first of all, how are we gonna treat each other? And that's we have a Venture Way, which is that is anything that's on that list at the Venture Way, it required 100% agreement by every broker and every staff person, hmm. uh, and that's the standards
1: of which we choose to to exist and treat each other. Hmm. You lead by example. I feel like that's that's what a great leader does. What you said is they lead by example. Well, when, and-, and finding more ways to make that active. We we have this we call the wall. It's a
0: big wall that we created, and we change out the messaging on the wall and right now we've got your favorite quotes but you know i'm just trying to do more things that provoke a deeper thought get people to think deeper about themselves and their lives one of the things i wanted to you, you know you you, uh, you hear the millennial generation the gen z generation they're all cut up with work-life balance and you know old guys think that's stupid and crazy but it's um, you know, I feel like I understand both sides of it because I think you have to live a balanced life to be your best. If you prioritize one thing, you can become warped in that way. And and when young people ask me, you know, how do you do work-life balances? Well, you, you learn to apply yourself hard in your career, and then when you get married and you have kids, you you learn to apply yourself to that degree to your kids. It's It's like you just have to learn, it's not trading one for the other. It's you have to be as deeply committed to both things. and I think that's the balance. Hmm. Do you think do you feel like you've perfected it? I don't know that you you know I think you I think you learn, you make mistakes, you may stray. Um, you know I, I think I always knew it was important to me to be present at my kids' events and things like that. Um, and I think I think we learned a lot, uh, along the way of having kids and, and definitely prioritized them over everything else. Um, you know, we didn't socialize much with other adult couples. We just spent our time with our kids. And as our kids grew older, uh, you know, the thing we, you know, we love trying new restaurants and they, they're very adventurous with food and, uh, they love to travel. And so, you know, we did, they, we're almost each other's best
1: friends as well as parents and Nothing wrong with parents. that. Yeah. Um, how would you describe your legacy as you start to work on it? Um, loaded question, but, again, I mean, a real estate icon, a, a, you know, an icon in the community, but as you start to you know, enter a different phase, like I'm entering, how, how would you define that? You know, I, I don't know. I think part of it is, you know, defining things
0: that, are important that you think are important to others that are important to you and living in those, living that. And, you know, right now, one of the things that's important to me is um, trying to teach younger people how to build wealth. Nobody told me how to build wealth. And, Same. you know, a couple folks that I worked with in my career didn't want you to build wealth. They wanted you to work for them the rest of your life, you know. So um, my my goal is to help younger folks learn how to build wealth through
1: real estate because it's what i know how to do best
0: hmm.
1: and um you know but you do it to a different degree you include them
0: mm-hmm.
1: not just in meetings but in deals and opportunities to invest and you know and that also builds a crap ton of loyalty especially people that work with you because they want access to, to more deals but you do it to a different a different degree um what would you consider your superpower to be and in the world of business in the world of you know just being a good human you know um be consciously generous, hmm. dude. God, you're like a walking fortune cookie. You know, it's just you did the nuggets of, of wisdom. It's just so it's so believable and it's so genuine. And well, you know, it's I learn a lot from others. And one of my former partners, uh, Larry
0: Leon really challenged us to be, to live generously, you know, and you think about that, it just doesn't take much to do that, but nobody thinks about it. And then the more you think about it, the more easy it, it's easy to do. And so being generous, including people, you know, young folks in the deal, including them in the, in the general partnership side of the deal, give them the, give them roles that they
1: can grow and learn by. Yeah. That's, that's a skill set that I don't think many people have is, is seeing how to go and uh, be a vision for it. I had to be really intentional with, the strategy and the growth, because that's that's I'm, I'm trying to become that person. But that was a really big struggle of mine. It's in large part because I didn't think a lot before I just did stuff, including even you know w- with this kind of stuff. Um, when, when you look back, um, you know, a few more decades down the road, and you think of all the things that you're most proud of, as far as mentoring, as far as a deal. Right now at this moment, what would you choose to be at the pinnacle of that list, at the top? What are your proudest accomplishments? not firing me.
0: (laughs) You know, I think just being that stepping stone on, you know, on everybody's journey, you know, sometimes you're, they they become a big part of your life and sometimes they're passing through your life. But again, looking at life that way, not looking at life that it's got to be one or the other, that it can be both and that it can be rewarding to be both. Hmm. I had dinner last night with a couple guys that at another brokerage firm and I, I didn't even remember that I interviewed this guy. You know, and he told me about that, you know, and that what that how that helped him at that time in his career. And Mm. um, so I'm not sure that I really know. I mean, there are a lot of things that I'm proud of and excited about. But I think creating a culture, um, that's something that could be more of a legacy that perpetuates going forward and growing people
1: and into leaders. Mm. Um, How about the best way to support you? How do we find Mike Geisler, whether it's through venture, whether it's through community, what's the best way to support you? Gosh, I don't know. Do you uh, want us to follow you on Instagram? <laughs> How do we find your Instagram you can, account? You, you can find uh, Venture Commercial has an Instagram account. What's, what's, the, what's the hashtag? Or in the hashtag, what's the handle? What's their name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just it's look vent, up Venture, venture
0: Commercial. it well, will pop up. Yeah, Venture Commercial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and uh, I don't remember my line, but you can find it by Michael Geisler. And I mainly
1: just do photographs, artistic photographs. Yeah, that's cool. Um, as we wrap this up, uh, let's end it with, uh, your pearls of wisdom, the, whether it's the best advice you've ever received or the best advice you can give all the people listening today and in the future, uh, you want to leave them with one thing. What is it? You learn to work hard. I, I watched my father. He had an amazing work ethic and that set a tone
0: for me. And I think that, um, You learn to work hard, but then you learn how much you can really, how much you continue to grow as your capacity to understand things and you know grows, and you can operate multiple lines of businesses, you know, companies. Um, I think that's pretty fascinating. I think uh, I just I don't think I ever knew that. I thought there were some people that were exceptional, but it's I am not exceptional. I am I, but I am continuing to grow as a person and learning how much my brain can handle and, uh, and also realizing that it's not that I have to, you know, um, sacrifice a personal life or a spiritual life, life, but it can be all of those things.
1: Good Lord, man, you're, you, you, you know, you got a gift, right? And I think that you have a way to go and deliver, um, really high level stuff and it's digestible and it's and it's simple and literally i mean like i I meant what i said i you you made one of the most profound impacts on me and it's in large part i'll never forget it you believed in me and i remember sitting in an office with you and carter wilson who i don't think i've seen since this day and i don't know if you guys still keep in touch he was at my bible study earlier tell him hello i remember he had a really curly head of hair (laughs) and i was so nervous and you made me feel so welcomed and I, I know you do that with everybody. And I, I remember every single minute of it. Um, and when I told you what I wanted to do, it was a genuine go get them. That's not most people, especially in, in the world of sales. And so um, I would consider you one of the best leaders I've ever met, my only boss. Um, but just the gift that you have given so many people, it's widespread. And I feel like that's, uh, that's a legacy that most people would be honored to even be a part of. And so uh, that's why I wanted to talk with you this morning and, you know, share, share your wisdom and your heart for others. But um, you really epitomize what I consider to be the best leader. And so thanks for, uh, for joining us today. And y'all go to venture is it venturedfw.com to see all the cool stuff that they're doing uh, from retail leases to really edifying the next generation of leaders in business and our community. So uh, Mike Geisler, um, I'm a big fan. I love you. And I'm grateful for you spending time with us today. Roger's that. Roger's that. There we go.